Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word alone is the truth. Amen. When I was called by Apostle Lutheran Church, I came to this church with big smiles because I didn't know what I was going to do over here. I was a, such a Mr. Positive. However, I lost my smiles and a positive attitude because of my simpleness and weakness. Our good Lord make me grow in his word and through his people like you. You can easily see my smiles again. I am so happy and blessed, especially when I teach teenagers the word of God. Do you know how many classes do I have? A lot. Especially I have a phone call class. A two Korean student in the um, Antioch, uh, the state is Illinois. When I stand in front of the children of God with his word, I feel like I return to their age. If you want to feel that, please come and join. And I remembered what I wanted to learn and know when I was their age. And I proclaimed the message with my confession, with um, earnest desire that, my Lord, let your eternal promise be rooted in their heart so that they can find the joy, meaning, and purpose of their life in you. A couple days ago, in our high school's Word of God class, I made this question to the student. Why do we need the law and the gospel? And why is it so important for every Christian to be able to distinguish between the law and the gospel? And I answered to them, Satan has two basic temptations for humans. First one is pride. And second one is despair. Satan puts more pride into the proud person so that a proud man can build up his own tower of righteous, moral values, and virtues instead of the clinging completely to the cross of Christ. Satan also put despair into the man who has been depressed, depressed already. So that the despairing man wants to give up his life so he feels he is not worthy to live. How about the law and gospel from the Lord? The law makes a proud person humble. And the gospel brings joy and hope to a despairing person. The Satan's purpose with his tool, pride and despair, is clear in showing that he wants to make humans set apart from God. But God's purpose of the law and gospel is clearly to make humans set apart from sins. Today our gospel reading gives us clear instruction on how a Christian can deal with sin, power of faith, and Christian's duty as a servant of the Lord. I call it Christian Life 101. I will make three series of sermons for the following month. Because I realize it's too long to preach in one time. Let us see our first requested quality from Jesus on Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 4. Only four verses. Chapter 17, verse 1 says, 
Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but fall to anyone through whom they come. In our translation says things that cause people to stumble, you know, the word offense, in Greek original meanings, trigger in a trap. And bound to come means it is impossible that they do not come. Jesus know that humans cannot be perfect because we are sinful. Therefore, he knows that no one can free themselves by causing others to sin. However, Jesus boldly instructs us to not justify ourselves by saying everybody is doing that. Psalmist and King Solomon warn us to guard our mouth and heart, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. And those who guard their mouth and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. How can we do that in this simple world and body? How many times we are distracted by others, especially when you're driving on a freeway? St. Paul kindly gives us the solution in keeping joy always in your mouth and your heart. Book of Philippians chapter 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When I was in the Korean Air Force to do my duty, I thought that I must be a soldier who supports the chaplain because I was a seminary student. And that was pretty normal. However, when I finished my basic training, I had to go up to the mountainside instead of airbase nearby town. I had a really hard time because I was older than many, many my senior soldiers. And my major theology was not even close to guided missile controller. I was so discouraged day and night and started to hate my senior soldiers and the people around me. I totally forgot how much Jesus loves me and them and they need Jesus in their lives. I also totally forgot that where I am does not really matter in doing his ministry. On Sunday, I got a chance to attend a church service which was held at one church nearby site. During the service, I heard a song called He Binds the Broken Heart. After that, I sang this song often, and the Lord filled my heart up with repentance and replaced my worries and thirst with assurance of forgiveness, hope, and joy. It sounds like this. Lord, I hunger, thirst for your righteousness. Father, come and fill me once again. Lord, I hunger, thirst for your righteousness. 
Fill me with your oil and your wine. In verse 2 and 3, I would be better, it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. This verse is really a powerful and famous story, and it is also often quoted by many people. However, we must remember that this verse better used for watching ourselves instead of judging and offending others with this powerful warning. Please do not use the law from the Bible to try to justify yourself. Law is the mirror to reflect your sins. Law is the curb to protect you from sins. Law is the guide for you to guide you into the true light. If your brothers sins, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. What are you going to do when our brother, your brother, sister sins? The NIV 84 version is better than NIV 2011 in here because NIV 2011 added up if your brother or sister sins against you. I understand why I did that. But the, over here, you better not have brother and sister sins against you because this part is clearly talking about somebody, a brother and sister, makes sin but not really offended you. But how could you react on it? We do not turn our face from our brother's sin. But we rebuke the person's sin in a loving and penitent way. I mean the patient way. Jesus has voiced the same truth in Matthew 18 and Luke 17. However, Luke 17 helps us to understand why we have to care about other people's sin. Not for judging them, but for bringing them to repent and see the Lord's forgiveness. The selfish world keeps telling us, do not bother yourself until they bother you. However, our good Lord wants us as his kingdom workers to be peacemakers and let his justice run like a river and his peace grow like the grass. Therefore, we care the people in the world because the Lord first cared us. We forgive because God first forgave us. The rebuke means price and value, so which means we tell the other person that what he has done is bad and then we let him know he has sinned against God and God must punish him. When he accepts and he repents, we forgive him and let him know that we are only doing what the Lord has done first. And verse 4 says, Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. This is a little bit different case. First one is someone sin is not really offending you. But this case, how about does somebody make a sin for you, directly against you? We have been hurt 
but we should be ready to forgive him if he repents. The Gospel of Matthew 18 explained, added up little detailed way. So he says, 18, 6 says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, after that has definition, little ones, those who believes in me. And then to stumble, it would be better for them to have large millstone. Luke did not talking about the size of the millstone, but now the Matthew says large millstone hung around their neck and to be drawn into the depth of the sea. The Luke did not talking about how deep the sea is, but the Matthew clearly detailed the brother, little ones, which means the believers, and then not the small stone, large stone, and then that of the sea. Interesting things comes after verse 6. We easily think this verse is warning for others who cause you and me to stumble. The world, a person, and you can be a stumbling stone for yourself and other people's salvation. Vote to the world causes people to stumble, Jesus said. Vote to the person causes people to stumble. Listen, if your hand and foot and eye cause you to stumble, cut it up and gouge it out and throw it away. You better go to heaven being maimed and crippled or with one eye than to have two hands and feet and two eyes, and be thrown into the fire of heaven. What is the means make somebody stumble? According to the Matthew 18, the somebody is Jesus believer, and then including yourself. So to stumble means to lose your faith. So if you call somebody lose their faith, and then you could use this passage for that case, but do not use this case as, oh, you, you make me feel bad. So you better be careful what you're just saying. You better put the millstone on your neck and throw it into the sea. Please don't use it in that way. So it is the matter of kingdom of heaven, in other words, is a salvational matter. So after that, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brothers or sister who sin against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, not seven times, but 77 times. It sounded like no matter what, just forgive them unlimitedly. Lots of people stopped reading this passage at this point. But this one followed by the story, the parable. Jesus explained with a parable and about the forgiveness we are forgiven because the Lord gave us penitent heart and we followed in faith. In the parable, a master took pity on the servant and cast the debt like thousand bags of gold because the servant fell on his knees and asked for mercy. However, the forgiven servant did not cancel his friend's debt, hundred silver coin only even though the friend kneeled down and asked and begged him. There are a couple key lessons to me. The first, God forgive my sins 
has no limit. And then we did not earn the forgiveness by our kneeling down and begging. Our debt of sins are canceled by His grace and mercy only. And I am forgiven, not because I am better than others. In this perspective, forgive others without limitation, it reminds us, reminds me of the trust that Jesus died for all sinners. We call it universal or just objective justification. Every sinner's sins were forgiven by the blood of Jesus. However, the power of cross can be actualized in a believer's life. We call it subjective justification. He died for everybody in the world, no limited to. But his forgiveness, the power of salvation, work at the believer by the faith. We are forgiven. Our debts are fully canceled. What about the people who have not heard the good news yet? So they did not believe Jesus since they never got the chance to hear the gospel and good news? We can, or can we, have pity on them truly, humbly, and lovingly? Are we really better than them compared to our life styles in this world? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He will faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Uh-oh. If you claim, I have not sinned, which means not only you deceive yourself, but somehow you make Jesus Christ as a liar. Since he says, I love the Lord, I believe him. And in other words, the John, 1 John chapter 4 says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have sinned, cannot love God whom they have not sinned. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Do you love your God? Do you? It means that you fully understand and believe how much he loved you and the world. You fully understand and believe what happened on the cross. If so, we can love our brother and sister without any qualifications beside our faith in Jesus Christ. We care about the people because the Lord first cared us. We forgive because God first forgave us. We love because God first loved us. This is a Christian's basic life. Amen.